Hey community, in today's episode, artist Aaron Williams joins Matt McCoy to talk about how to make sure our worship services are focused on Jesus and not just a performance. It can be a challenge to balance substance and entertainment, so we hope that there are tips in this interview that you find helpful. And be sure to listen to Aaron's new album, The Hope of Christ, wherever you stream music and get the tracks on loopcommunity.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's edition of Loop Live. So glad that you're here. My name is Matt McCoy. I'm the founder of loopcommunity.com and I'm the host of the Loop Live show. Today we have a very special guest with us today, Aaron Williams. He's an artist and songwriter with the Worship Initiative. And I'm looking forward to digging into topics about leading worship and all the things that it has to do with, uh, you know, leading and, you know, taking care of your church and volunteers. And we like to just dive into a lot of questions on the show. If you are watching this live, type in the comments, any question you have during our discussion, we like it to be a conversation. We might even take some questions live. So if you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, type down in the chats, your question, we might take a live one. And I'm excited about this conversation with Aaron. So without further ado, let's bring in Aaron Williams. Hey, Aaron, how's it going, man? Hey, Matt, doing well. Thank you guys for having me today. Yeah, good to see you, man. I'm glad to have you on the show today. Tell us a little bit about, just a little bit about your background. So what are you doing with the Worship Initiative? Yeah, I came on the team here in Dallas, Texas. I'm from Arkansas originally and have been there, honestly, my whole life until this point. And uh, moved here a year ago to join the team as a songwriter and artist. Um, so I help with the worship initiatives, resourcing and recording stuff, as well as uh, just released my first project on uh, the label side of the worship initiative. So, yeah, it's been a, a busy, fun, you know, transitional last year for us, but we're loving where we're at, what we're getting to do. Did your album drop already? Yeah, August 5th. So, um I guess it's two weeks old to, uh, on, on Friday. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Right. And I'm guessing that we are for sure getting all the tracks for that. If not, we already have them. I'm not even sure. I haven't even looked. Yes, we they're have up. The tracks? They're, we have they're them. there. Yep. Awesome. The whole album's there. Yep. Killer. All right. Well, I want to talk about your album at the end, Yep. Um, but that's really great. Everybody make sure you go listen to the album's called the hope of Christ. And uh, we have all the tracks on the community. So that's great. So, Aaron, we like to dig right down to it in these interviews Yeah, get to issues and topics that are very interesting to worship leaders. These are all thoughts that, you know, if you're a worship leader full-time at a church, if you've done this for a while, these are all kind of ideas and thoughts that like pop in people's head, people's yeah. heads. And I think it's just interesting to kind of dig into it. I was looking at your Instagram and you posted this quote on Instagram that I'd love to talk about and unpack a little bit about. So the quote was, and I'm not sure if this was your quote or someone else's, but if people show up to church this week looking for entertainment, it will be a good thing if they leave a little bit disappointed. So first, can you just break down what you mean by leaving disappointed? What does that mean exactly? Yeah, well, um, I should have known if I post something on Instagram, you know, it's going <laughs> to come back a conversation. Yep. yep. Um, I mean, it might be helpful. The context of me posting that was just me prepping for, I think it was a Friday or Saturday that I posted that. And it was just me like going through some of my normal routines of like preparing myself. I was out on a run. I was thinking about Sunday morning. I was praying toward it. And I have just had this recurring thought 
uh, for yeah. month for months of like, gosh, sometimes um, sometimes it feels like the best thing that I could give to people is a little bit of a disappointment to them. And then it, it, I started asking myself, why? Why is that? Um, and so that's where the the whole thought of like, um, I know I come to church with my own personal expectations at times that are yeah. probably a little bit different um, than what the church is meant to be. And so I think what I'm getting at with, with talking about disappointment would be that gap between my personal expectation or, or yours or any of our personal expectation that we're bringing into a worship service and the church's biblical mission or mandate. And when there's a gap or a difference between those two things, um, mm-hmm. and you know, in this particular post, I'm talking about if my, if my intention was like to be entertained the whole time, then I think it's actually maybe the most loving thing that the church could do or that the leaders in the church could do to disappoint that expectation a little bit and remain yeah. faithful to what its actual mission is, which would be yeah. for sure to glorify God and also to make disciples, to help us grow deeper in our spiritual walks. And so, you know, um, the idea of that we live in an entertainment culture I feel like it's not really even that debated anymore. It's like we we all kind of know that mm-hmm. that's a part of the reality. And what I perceive as a worship leader is oftentimes there's a direct opposite, like opposing, maybe the best way to say it is like, what's best for my spiritual growth um, and entertainment culture is oftentimes like directly opposing that. And yeah. so, so that quote is me just kind of trying to work through those own, you know, feelings and prayers. And it's as much, it's as much for myself about trying to get my expectation correct and in alignment with the scriptures when I'm going to church and figuring out how to lead people, you know? That's a good point in that I do think that maybe that quote, from my perspective reading it, it actually is more about the worship leader or the person planning the service than it is about the people coming. Because I don't know actually how often people are really coming to church for entertainment. Mm -hmm. But I do think that sometimes the people who are planning the church service, the worship leader, we have this feeling inside of like, we need to put together a service or a set list that's going to be entertaining in a way. Yeah. And it's almost maybe a battle more for us than it is for the people coming. Um, That's a good point. Because I'm just thinking about even like some of my friends who are, I'm a part of a new church plant. And some of my friends who are coming, like, I don't think they're actually coming because they want me to entertain them. I do think they're coming because they want to be fed and they do want to experience God and to practice going to church. And I don't think they're actually looking for entertainment, but I might feel that pressure, which is an unnecessary pressure. Yeah. Completely. And it's not even the right job description, really. My job is not to entertain (laughs) them. So maybe it's almost that I need to be disappointed in a way, you know? That, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's how I came to it myself was, yeah. was feeling that um, sometimes I'm wanting to lead in ways or, or like you said, it's an undue pressure, but I do think a lot of worship leaders feel that, you know, like, uh, man, what if, like, what if I'm, what if it's not good enough today or what if it's yeah. not, um, you know, engaging enough. And I found myself just asking the simple question of like, um, especially when we would come to moments where we were going to have like an extended time of prayer in service. Yeah. And I would go, 
I, I would be thinking like, man, is that going to be too boring for people? And then the next thought I would have is, yeah, but like, don't we have a, a responsibility to like teach people to pray? And yeah. I don't, I don't know anyone who works in a church who wouldn't agree that we have some responsibility to help people pray. Yeah. But we all know, we all also know if you've ever tried to grow in prayer, like it's, it's the opposite of entertaining. You know, it can be, yeah. it can feel, it can feel boring. It can feel tiring. It can feel scattered. Yeah. And um, so just wrestling with that tension. Um, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a lot where it came from. Another practical tension in that would be maybe playing hymns. You know, mm-hmm. we maybe want to play like the coolest, newest, biggest song right now, yep. but it may not have a lot of rich content in it. But we know that like, you know, some old hymns do. And, yep. but sometimes we're like, yeah, but that's going to be boring. You know, we can't, we don't want to just like play like an old hymn. That's going to be put people to sleep or whatever. And how do you have that yeah. balance? Do you think it's possible, Aaron, to actually have both? Could you I actually do. entertain and have substance? Oh, I, absolutely. I I think it's I think it's almost like a, a tightrope, you know, or you're like walking on. If you've ever like gone hiking and you're walking on the top of the mountain, and like you know, there's a ridge on both sides. That's what it feels like to me. Where where you're trying to be good communicators, whether it's worship leaders, pastors, anyone up front leading, you know, they, they keep our attention and there's a story being told and we're engaged in what's happening, mm-hmm. but there's that fine line of when that, that goes too far. And so it feels like that's the constant tension of, of trying to lead well, but not lead in a way that, that then actually deprives people of, you know, in the hymn example of, of like yeah. singing a song that maybe doesn't have as much of a emotional arc, but mm-hmm. is intentionally not trying to be that, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. We, we need those moments. I think. Yeah. Something that really stuck with me from a church I used to be on staff at was they used to say that like, listen, when it comes down to it, if there's ever a battle between content of a song versus the style of a song, content always wins. Yeah. Now, ideally, in a perfect world, you could have a song that has both. It has great style. You know, it's a great song musically, but it also has rich content. Ideally, you'd have both. But yep. if it ever came down to a battle between the two, content wins. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that's always really stuck with me because there's been times when there's been a really, you know, current song out that doesn't say anything. And it's like, yeah, this yeah. might feel like a really good song to start the service with. Like it feels good. It sounds good. It gets people excited and pumped, but it says nothing. And I've actually had to battle that in my worship planning and be like, you know what? I'm going to choose not to do that song. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the exact thing. Yeah. That's the exact tension that I'm talking about, you know, in that post is, is just like, you're probably feeling that like, um, like, but but this other song might not grab people in quite the same way. Um, And you have a decision to make there. And I think, you know, my encouragement to myself and to other leaders is exactly what you just said. Like sometimes we need to let ourselves down or let that, let out that pressure of like, I've got to, um, or I feel like I've got to entertain or, Mm -hmm. you know, every, every moment of the service has to just capture people's emotion in the highest way, you know? Yep. Yeah. So you also talked about how we need the courage to be unimpressive. How can churches balance putting their best foot forward 
and having, having everything sound great and look great while also having the focus on Jesus and not just having a performance every Sunday. Yeah. You know, that, that line, the courage to be unimpressive, that was one of those lines, again, I, as I'm like working this out in my own life, it kind of came out of me and then I responded to what I wrote down. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, something about yeah. that phrase, having the courage to be unimpressive is resonating really deeply inside of me. And I, so again, I'm starting to ask myself the question, like, why is that? And I think in the same way of how we just talked about maybe the as worship leaders, we carry this, this inner turmoil of feeling like we have to entertain people. I think we also can carry this expectation on ourselves that we have to be impressive, you know, mm-hmm. and that the, the thought of being impressive is really more of an inner posture that kind of operates under this assumption that I have to be something really special. Mm-hmm. in order to to be loved or accepted, you know? And so I think there's something really powerful about learning as leaders how to become comfortable in our own skin and not not like over-function in, in, in the role of worship leader, you know? And mm-hmm. I use that term over-function, you know, that's just like a psychological term that is typically, it's typically used when we're talking about a person, so let's say I take on the responsibility of other people around me. And I mm-hmm. think in a worship context is when, if I take on the responsibility of having to try to control how everyone else responds, mm-hmm. then I am moving into a, a, an over-functioning role as, as a leader in the church. And so yeah. it's like that, that same balance of like, how do I serve people? How do I plan well, um, prepare well, but then get there and realize that I don't actually control how all of these people respond. And I really don't even need to, um, it would be, it would, if I do that too much, like now I'm beginning to overfunction. And I think there's something in that, that requires an innate humility an innate sense of like, uh, being okay with who we are as leaders Mm -hmm. and like, uh, operating from a, a groundedness, you know, that, yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're not enough in the sense of like, we could never be the perfect worship leader for everyone, but we are yeah. enough in the sense of like, uh, we are who God's made us to be and we play a particular role. And so we can settle into that spot. And I yeah. think there's a sweet spot there, but just like we're talking about, you know, it's like easier said than done. Yeah. That is a tricky one. And it almost is like an issue of uh, a too high of a view of self-importance of maybe uh-huh. that we're, um, you know, controlling the situation or that I you know that they need us in a way or, but also wanting to look good in front of other people. And, you know, it really is yeah. a pride issue, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, as I was thinking about this, I, I was just thinking about like, if, if you were just to take a sample of worship music right now, like it, mm-hmm. A, a majority of the songs are they're big, they're long, they're longer. So it's like yeah. comparatively to 10 years ago, our songs are bigger, our songs are longer, our songs have more self-expression. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think any of those things are bad things. I'm glad that that exists in our expression, but it's just like there, there's more there, you know? And so I started asking myself the question of like, 
I, I know I'm going to lead some of those songs. I know I'm going to have some moments where I'm like a, a 10 out of 10 on the energy scale. But are there other moments where I'm exhibiting self-control and I want to say something, but I choose not to? Or I think about going back into that bridge again and I choose not to. And for me personally, there were far more, far fewer moments where I was actually saying no and governing yeah. myself. Yeah. And that's where it came down to like, okay, it, it's actually in this day, the courageous move for me is not to sing the extra bridge or the spontaneous chorus Mm -hmm. Where 10 years ago, it felt like that was the, the move of courage. Like yeah. now for, for me personally, and I know this might not, might not be true for everyone, but for me, the courageous move is to be quiet instead of loud at times or yeah. to show restraint in yeah. my leadership, you know, to yeah. give people space to pray instead of filling it with words, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, again, I, I encourage all of us to like really think about some of those kind of courageous steps that are kind of counterintuitive. You know, it's not always bigger, louder, longer, like uh, the spirit could be leading you to say less and to yeah. um, create space for people. Yeah. That's so good, man. I, um, there's a guy I used to work with, had a huge impact on my worship leading theology in a way. His name's Andy yeah. Rozier and he has yeah. a whole thing on how worship leaders should be like tour guides. And literally there are probably 10 different points on this topic of that worship leaders should be like a tour guide. But one of them, one of those points that kind of goes along with what we're talking about is that if you're a tour guide and you're giving people a tour of the Taj Mahal, right? And you're showing them around and it's you're, you're like, hey, look at this, it's beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And you're like walking them around. What you don't want is for at the very, very end of the tour, the tour guide says, hey, so what would you guys think of the Taj Mahal? And they were like, eh, that's all right. But man, that tour guide was awesome. He looked exactly. so cool. He, his voice was great. He explained everything perfectly to us. Man, that tour guide was amazing. Yeah, but what about the Taj Mahal? Like, eh. And as worship leaders, we don't want that to happen. Like you do totally. not want people leaving church being like, Oh, that worship leader was awesome. And they're not even like thinking at all like about how did they experience God? And <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, no, that's that's a great uh I'm gonna I'm gonna log that away because that's a great way of talking about it. And I do think it would be it would be awesome if more of our worship services, you know, exactly like you're saying, like we walked away uh more mesmerized by um, you know, what the text of that morning was revealing to yeah. us or um, how the song led us, you know, closer to the heart of God. And yeah. the the tricky part is, is God does use us. You know, he uses worship leaders. He uses pastors and other people to like, to, to lead the tour, you know, so, mm -hmm. so to speak, but we're not supposed to be the point. And yeah. I, th I think that, you know, to come back to the quote, I think it's like, it feels to me like it's taking more courage as a leader to say a few things and then to just let people gaze yeah, and not, yeah. not, not fill all the space. Um, yep. like I, I'm having to like, to like, you know, think about that and pray about that in order yeah. to do that well, because there's a certain 
pressure that I feel. I don't some some of you may feel the same thing of like there's a pressure to fill the space and to yeah. sing, sing more notes in the gaps and things like that. And there are times where that's the exact thing that we need to do, but not all the times. Yeah. I love that, man. I love that whole thought. It takes humility and it takes courage to be yeah. unimpressive. And we have to just challenge ourselves on that every single week. Do you think that worship services should be more stripped down or is there a way to have Christ focused worship while still utilizing technology? Sometimes yeah. I think that we are like over tech at the church, you know, everything's automated lyrics, lighting, you know, fog machines. And, you know, it just looks super slick. Some church services look like a touring act. Like if you were going to like some concert, they look just as yeah. good and sound just as good as that. Do you think that, is there a, there's there a healthy balance there? Have we gone too far? Are we too, behind what do you think yeah i mean this is it's such a great question i mean i have two thoughts that come to my mind one is i think i think these types of decisions are always best made not like one decision that just blanket covers every church in the world you know mm-hmm. and like but to really think about each local community and every yeah. church doesn't have to look the same but i would i would almost to come back to the very first part of this conversation. It's like, but what is the goal? And I think if the goal is Christ-likeness and that the church is becoming more like Christ as it worships him, it's pointing to him, he's the focus, then I think you can begin to answer that question in ways of like, how does this piece of technology, this lighting equipment, this way of, of structuring our service, how does it serve that end goal? Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's very possible that different churches come to different conclusions based on their city, based on, you know, the type of people that they have. Yeah. And um, and so I think, you know, speaking contextually is important. I do. I would say on a on a broad scale, like maybe the best thing that was ever spoken to me on this was just when you're thinking of technology by and large, it's like technology is a great servant, but a terrible master. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of back to this idea of like, when, you know, let's just say you're a lighting director or designer, uh, when it begins to come, like when the point of your work that week begins to become about how many people are commenting on how great the lights were. Mm -hmm. I think that's like a, that's like a yellow flag to go, okay, like the, the lights in this service are becoming the master. They're becoming the focal mm-hmm. point, not, not, not a like a servant to the greater end, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that, that could be with lighting. That could be with, I mean, I, I feel like that can be with the size yeah. of your band, you know? Yeah. And it's like at times when I've felt like that, I've just started to strip it, strip it down. And like, man, we're going to go with guitar and keys for yeah. the next few weeks, just because yeah. we've got to get back get back to the center here. So, you know, um, can I just say something there? Another example of that, of a yellow flag is when there's zero flexibility. So I actually had a situation that popped in my mind just a couple months ago. I was leading worship at a church and I had given them the set list ahead of time, gave them song arrangement, you know, but then once we actually got into the weekend, the pastor was talking about something very different than what I originally thought. 
And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. We're going to change the closing song to really match his sermon and to be like the fifth point, you know, like, bam, this is, we're going to sing the song. It's going to tie in perfectly to the sermon. And the pro presenter people were like, no, cannot do that. Cannot change. All the slides are set up. We cannot change that. The band was, had no problem with it. You know, it was like yep. an easy song that we've done a million times, like build my life or something. Which, by the way, yep. I said I, I've actually personally said I'm done playing that song. I'm never playing "Build My Life" again. <laughs> um, it's a great song, but I have way overplayed that song. Anyways, yeah. um, <laughs> anyways, uh, so when there's zero flexibility, there was also something else where, like, just something in the middle of the set was like, you know what, we need to do like that chorus like two more times. Yeah, and I wanted to do that. And the, and the pro presenter people were like, no, we cannot add two more choruses. The lighting cues are all set up. The mm-hmm. pro presenter cues are all set up. And I'm like, guys, I think that's a major yellow flag on yes. when technology is dictating how the service is going to flow and what the needs of the people are. I think that's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you work backwards from that, you you basically could come to the conclusion that like the the technology – the way it looks has, has like on the priority list, it's just been like, if, you know, changing the song in order to match the moment, it's like, that's below um, having that technology set up in, in advance. And I think, I think there's lots of things, you know, those, that's a great yellow flag. I think another yellow flag is like, again, anytime, our debrief meetings, you know, I don't know if your church is like our church did a debrief meeting on Monday and there would be, there would be seasons where I would feel like, man, 90% of our debrief of Sunday is all production. How, how well it went according to planning center or, you know, whatever, like how, how well, how close did it match what was on the plan? And I think that's important and it's definitely worth diving into all of that. But gosh, you want to see it have some balance to mm-hmm. like, hey, we we were able to, man, you know, Matt in the moment saw that that ending song needed to change and we changed it and it went off without a hitch. And gosh, thank you guys for serving in that way. That's so much more of a healthy culture of like technology's not driving the whole thing, but it's serving the whole thing. And I think that's where like, you know, yeah. we need to keep we need to keep those things in mind and maybe like pastor um, pastor our technicians in that and have, have technicians who have that kind of value, you know, because yeah. I, I can see from a lighting perspective, I've been working on those lighting cues all week. And then, you know, the yeah. worship leader wants to change it on Sunday morning. I can feel like, Oh no, don't, don't do that. Yeah. But um, I could also be pastored into understanding. Yeah. But, but my cues aren't the point we're here to serve these people. We think this is the move to make. And so let's yeah. make it, you know, and that all goes back to the taking, it takes courage to be unimpressive. I really think yep. that, that ties into that. So let's change gears just a little bit, but I bet you anything we're going to find ways that this ties into what we're <laughs> talking about, about being impressive yeah, or entertaining, actually maybe more so on the entertaining piece. And my question is, what are your thoughts on churches live streaming their services and having services that are specifically for the live stream? So I think we can unpack this question actually a couple of ways. You know, obviously with COVID, live streaming became something that was a necessity. We had to do it. You couldn't even go to church. So churches had to scramble to put their church online. Yep. Many of those churches have continued to stay on a live stream as well as in-person services. 
However, some feedback that I've heard from churches is that fewer people are actually coming back to church <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. let's just face it. It's easier to sit at home on your couch with your own cup of coffee and your kids sitting behind you building blocks or whatever mm-hmm. um, and watching church at home. And so you're not even going to church. Yeah. My first question for you is, do you think live streams are helpful in that currently, you know, post pandemic, mm-hmm. although I guess people would say we're maybe in a pandemic now. I mean, I don't know, but do you think live streams are something that churches should have forever or yeah. should we cut the live stream and get people back into church? That's a tough one. It, it's hard. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, thanks for, thanks for putting me like right on the spot with this one as well. Um, I, the first answer I'll give is a little more of like how I would be thinking about this as a church leader and then maybe I'll get into a little bit of my personal preference as well. Um, to me, where I really go with this question is, um, what is the what is your church's theology of place, if I can say it that way? Because that's where a lot of this comes down to is, do we value place? And what I mean by that, like I think I think uh, the scriptures you see. God blessing people. And you also see God blessing places, localities, churches, groups of people. And we know that he has chosen the local church to be his agent of renewal in the world and to carry on his mission in the world. And so, but we live in this modern moment where place is kind of fluid, you know? And so, you know, you and I are doing this interview from across the country. Right. And so place is not as important But I do think um, so I say that because anytime, you know, in our church, like we had people who were unable to come to the gatherings because of sickness or old age, things like that. And again, it's back is this this technology is serving those people. This is this is the closest they can get to being in the place, you know, so it's incredibly helpful for those people. But just like we always have a propensity to do, we can take something that's a good thing and we take it too far or we make it ultimate. And then suddenly I'm sitting on my back porch every Sunday morning when I have the ability to get up and go to a a local place. Mm -hmm. And I'm just choosing. This is just a more convenient option for me. And that's where I do think it starts to get back into like um, if it's that's a consumer way of viewing the church. You know, I, the church is mm-hmm. offering a product that I'm consuming and this is the most, um, this is the easiest way for me to consume it. And so I don't even mm-hmm. have to get out of my PJs if I want to. Yeah. I think, I think when it goes, and I, I do think that, that churches are experiencing some of that. And that's where I'm like, whether you decide to remove that. And I, I know churches, um, locally and you know other churches in the country that have decided we're not going to do offer that anymore because we feel like that's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. That's back to our first question. I feel like that's the church trying to say I know you're going to be disappointed but we actually feel like it's best if we if we invite you to come here. Yeah. I think that can be a wise move. Um I probably lean that way personally and mm-hmm. would would I think there's some good in that but I I know a lot of fellow, you know, brothers and sisters of the faith who would hard disagree with me on that, you know? And so I think to them, um, I would say, is there a way that you can offer that? Because that's your strong conviction. And this is not, you know, 
this is not something that's like clear black and white in scripture. Can you offer that? But can you like also really teach people the importance of being person to person with a local body of believers? And so like, if you're going to, if you're going to offer it, like, you know, own up on teaching the importance of place so that like you're balancing that out or, or at least calling people to, um, you know, the biblical Mm -hmm. idea there. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. I think one argument of why people keep their live stream is that, well, we're reaching people who maybe wouldn't otherwise step foot in a church. But in my opinion, I think people are just as likely to actually hit your random YouTube live stream as they are to hit some random YouTube Bethel music video (laughs) or a Spotify playlist or something. Like I just, I think that, and the problem is that, okay, let's just say you do get someone who's going to watch your service, which I kind of like, okay, they watch your service, but they're not going to get the community aspect, which is what really the church is about. And like being connected to a body of believers, people who know you, people who care about you and love you, ask you challenging questions, care about your life. Mm -hmm. Um, That is what you get by going to a church. So I can see both sides of the uh, discussion I agree. I personally, I think if I were a pastor of a church, I would cut the live stream and I would only have the sermon available to listen to maybe on a podcast or something, but days later. So it's not live. It's available days later. If you want to listen to it, you can, but I'm not giving away everything because I want people in the seats, not to be in the seats, but to experience the community that the church can give that you can really only get there. So, yeah. And, and I mean, I think the, the why behind that, that you're, that you're describing is so important because the conversation oftentimes just comes down to, is it right or wrong to live stream? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you were to stand on a stage and, and make your case biblically of what you just said, you know, we, we can't grow in isolation. We need one another. We've got to be in community with one another. And as, as inconvenient as it might be to like get up and go to someone's house or to come to this place, we believe like firmly that there is something about that, that we need. That's, that's like giving people, you know, it's back to the consumer mindset. It's not just removing, you know, you can't have what you want. It's saying, but here, here's what we believe you, we really need. And so we're yeah. going to push into that and was, and right. So I would just love to see more, more churches, you know, having that conversation because that's, that's what seems to be like at the crux of it, at least as, as yeah. I can see it. I would love to see more churches cut their live streams. That sounds like a crazy statement, but I just really no, do think I that overall for like the health of the believer, we should not be sitting on a couch watching church. Yeah. Obviously there's yep. times when it's helpful, right? If you're like homesick or out of town yep. and you missed your church, that's great. Th- those are, those are definitely like good reasons for it, but it's, sh- I don't think it should be a complete replacement. Yeah. I agree. Okay. So to close up this conversation, which we have jumped all over the place here, <laughs> let's talk it's about your good. music. You just released your new album, the hope of Christ. Yeah. Um, what song on that album do you think worship leaders should not miss? What is like your most favorite song? What's the one that you think, if you're going to tell people to go listen to this, go to this song first. Um, go to the song Abide. 
it's it's just been the song that um, no matter where I've led it, uh, you know, multi generational communities to youth youth gatherings, like it's yeah. just the song that doesn't hasn't missed for me. And I think the reason is it's centered on the abiding passage in John fifteen. It's kind of a worship song for not just Sunday morning, but for like the other days of the week. And yeah. So, yeah, I think if you had to listen to one song, um, that would be the one to listen to. Um, I also think, you know, there's just something like when you're looking at a, a catalog of worship songs, there's not a lot of great songs on that theme. And that's like a, a central theme to following Jesus, you know, learning how to abide and remain in him. So I just think maybe it's a helpful song for the church because it hits that niche of like it's not a an overplayed theme but it's a helpful song to like really let your congregation come around that. And it's actually been really, um, I just think like a God thing the last um, year and a half, that's how long the song's been out. Um, it was on a previous project, smaller project. It's on this album. How many people have said to me like, man, abiding, that's been the theme that the Lord just spoke to me, or that's my word for the year or whatever. So mm-hmm. I don't know if like, you know, how like sometimes it, sen- it seems like the spirit is just doing a thing in the broader body of Christ. Yeah. It seems like maybe he's been doing something around that theme of, of like learning to remain in him and abide. And so, yeah, that would be the one song. But I mean, I'd love for you to listen to the whole record. Any artist would yeah. say <laughs> Yep. Everybody go check out this album. So what's cool is the song abide is actually free on loop community right now until September 8th. So if you're watching this live, go get the tracks for free until September 8th. You can get abide, listen to the album, the hope of Christ, Apple music, Spotify, I'm sure wherever music is it's there. Aaron, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks for uh, kind of diving into some deeper questions. We're trying to actually like tee up a little bit more harder questions only because I think, we're trying to get down just to the the things that worship leaders are really thinking about and challenging people with. Yeah. And I just appreciate you going there with me. So, yeah, well, thanks for, thanks for going there. And, you know, I hope these conversations are, they just help us think about worship more yeah. critical, critically in a good way, yeah. you know, just to be more thoughtful leaders. Yeah. I think that's exactly it. Just to challenge ourselves to be thinking about it a little bit deeper. So, yeah. Great to see you, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, you too. Thank you, man. All right, you guys. I really enjoyed that interview with Aaron Williams. Make sure you go check out his album, The Hope of Christ, on Apple Music, Spotify. Also, get the tracks for free for Abide until September 8th. They're all at loopcommunity.com. I want you to type down in the chat what is one thing that really stood out to you about this interview. Type it down in the comments below. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you stay tuned for future Loop Live events. We've got a lot of great interviews teed up for the fall season. So make sure you stay tuned and we'll see you next time. Thanks for being a part of the community. This is Matt. Thanks for listening. Hey, let us know what's the main thing you learned from today's talk. Write it down in the comments. Send us a DM. We hope to hear from you soon.